Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. episode is airing on Tuesday, June 1st, 2021. Hello everyone, this is Shannon back with you to share an author interview and of course to talk about this week's new releases. The first Tuesday of the month also happens to be the first day of the month. It is, as always, a fantastic book release day. I had to actually stop looking for books for this episode because I was getting close to like 25 and I figured that was kind of a lot. So today I have an interview with author Amy Eve Reichert and we talk about her latest novel which is set in the Wisconsin Dells. It's called The Kindred Spirit Supper Club and I hope that you enjoy it. It's a bit more of a laid-back conversation, um, a little less of an interview format but still, I think, enjoyable, and you'll get to hear us talk about lots of great books. So let's move into the housekeeping information, followed by the interview, and then I will talk to you about some books that have caught my eye this week. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am talking with author Amy E. Reichert about her novel, The Kindred Spirit Supper Club, which was released in the U.S. on April 20th. Amy, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Shannon. I'm very excited to be here. Can we start out... Um, with a little bit of an introduction to the Kindred Spirit Supper Club? Of course. So the Kindred Spirit Supper Club is the story of Sabrina Monroe. She is forced to move back home for a variety of financial reasons. Uh, And when she is there, she has to confront the uh, figurative and literal ghosts of her past. Her family has a secret that the women can see the recently deceased, and then they help them with any unfinished business. And this growing up was equal parts fun, but also very traumatic for her. So growing up, uh, Sabrina has developed quite severe anxiety. But on the upside, her very best friend happens to be the one long-term ghost that's around a rom-com obsessed ghost whose name is Molly, who's just determined to help Sabrina have her happy ever after because she never got hers. So when the new, very handsome supper club owner comes to town, uh, he's very intrigued by Sabrina and kind of her quirky behavior. And 
And Molly is absolutely determined to see the two of them together. So as the story unfolds, they get to know one another. There's some mysteries that need to be solved. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So this is set in the Wisconsin Dells. It is. Which is a place that you don't read too much about these days. Like, I can't really think of other fiction that I've read recently that's set there. No. No, I would be, I'd be really surprised if there was any. So for people, any listeners who maybe aren't familiar with the Wisconsin Dells, it is the official water park capital of the world. It is in the center of, it's very important that is on all of their advertising. (laughs) Uh, And that's indoor and outdoor water parks because we are in Wisconsin and um, outdoor water parks are only good for so long. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So it is a really unique quirky part of our state it is equal parts super touristy and kitschy with the all the corny t-shirt shops and the ripley's believe it or not type type places but it's also very very naturally beautiful it's set on the wisconsin river which has stunning sandstone cliffs and pine forests and it's just really really a fun unique part because you kind of get both ends of the spectrum. You can be quiet in the woods or you can be in a indoor water park surrounded by screaming children. It's up to you. <laughs> hmm. Nature? Children. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. It's, sometimes it's an easier decision than you think. <laughs> sometimes, yes. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. When I was a child, my grandparents used to vacation in the Dells. Um, I have never been, we, we live in Michigan, so we're not like super, super far away. Mm -hmm. Um, but I have never been, but my grandparents used to go up there, um, periodically. So you have written other novels and I'm curious to know if you've set them all in Wisconsin. They are. Every single book I've written is set in Wisconsin. Um, and they have all been in slightly different parts. So my first book was Milwaukee. My second book was kind of the suburbs of Milwaukee. My third book was up in Door County. Whereas if you're looking at Wisconsin on a map, it's the little thumb part that goes out into Lake Michigan. And then my fourth book was back in the Milwaukee area. And then now my fifth book is in the Dells. So I live in the Milwaukee area. So that's why this gets more attention. But yeah, I really, I really love writing about Wisconsin. I think it is a special place. We have wonderful people. We have wonderful food traditions. We have, I think, just a lot of quirky areas to explore. And, and I like to share that with the world. I think you can learn so much about a place, even through fiction, um, especially when authors are able to sort of imbue their books with a really strong sense of place. I feel like some of my favorite novels are those where the characters live in just this like really richly detailed place. And I love when you can really like feel an author's love, you know, for an area through their books. Yes, I agree. And I like to, I like to compare myself to Stephen King, who, (laughs) who obviously sets a lot of his books in Maine, 
because that's where he lives and that's where he knows and I do feel like there is a certain main like quality to especially some of those early horror books where you get a flavor for the place and it's not just a blanket setting that could be anywhere it it needs to be in Maine because of the way things are set up so Mm -hmm. I yeah so Stephen King and I have that in common okay (laughs) well you know if you're going to pick someone to have something in common with I would say Stephen King is probably a really really good bet there I think so too that's probably where the similarities end (laughs) yeah I'm thinking about kind of this you know like romance kind of ghosty book and then I'm thinking about Stephen King and and the similarities are not hugely apparent I have to say no no they are not no in fact I'm wildly traumatized by some of the books that I've read by Stephen King in my youth so what has sort of drawn you to writing these kinds of novels um you know, some romance, a little bit of the supernatural. Um, was that kind of always your your goal or has um, this sort of evolved so for you? It has definitely evolved, especially the supernatural slash magical realism part has sort of slowly evolved. My first two books are just sort of straight, um, either rom-com slash women's fiction type novels. My third novel, The Simplicity of Cider, did introduce some very light um, magical realism. Uh, and then my fourth book didn't really have any. Uh, but this one, I really, I personally really love books that are like 95% real world. And then there's like this 5% of something extra. So like Sarah Addison Allen, I think is really great at this. Yes, uh, so I love that. I love that just little extra. Hmm. Um, and I love books like uh, the uh, Discovery of Witches, where now that is a little bit more than you know five percent extra. But oh my goodness, yes. Ma- <laughs> but for the majority of the world moving about, it's mm-hmm. normal. Even with even the Shadow Hunter series by Cassandra Clare, for the regular people, it's yes. totally normal. And then there's this like secret underground world that nobody else knows about except for the people in it. So I love that kind of stuff. So I like to think that going about in the world, there is this other part of it um, that I think is fun. So that's kind of where my my writing has evolved. Uh, but I've always really loved telling stories with with some swoons in them. I like to feel those swoons of initial love. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I want my readers at the end of the day to feel comforted and cozy and like, like they want to hug my book because, oh, you know, that was what I needed, especially after the, you know, couple of years we've had. Everyone needs uh-huh. to read something a little therapeutic. So that's that. And I it just happens that. to be that. I, yeah. And that just happens to be what I write. So, yeah, I have to say of... that the simplicity of cider, I think, is uh-huh. my favorite of your titles. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really so that what was really unique about that book is of all of them, it was the one that I plotted the most. Like I really knew my outline going in and I ended up mostly sticking to it. And it was just a joy to write from start to finish. Not that they all haven't had wonderful and joyful moments. And I really loved writing the Kindred Spirit Supper Club. But the rest of my books have all had a moment of 
oh my God, I'm never going to be able to do this. And I'm just weeping at my computer screen. <laughs> oh. And the simplicity of cider never had that. So that's just sort of my joyful book. So are you a romance reader? Like when you, um, like when you're not writing or even while you're writing, like what kind of things do you read? Oh, good question. So um, I 100% read romance. Um, Beautiful. Definitely read contemporary romance, because, especially rom-com types, because that's what I write. So not only do I like it, but I like to read it, but I also kind of like to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I love historical romance. Yes. Love it. Yes. Uh, and I will fangirl and tell you all that if you like historical romance, you have to read Evie Dunmore immediately. She's fantastic. I have um, Bringing Down the Duke. Yes. And what is the follow-up? A Rogue of the follow- One, One Zone. Zone. Yes. I yep. have both of and those then, sitting here. I've not read them yet. Oh, uh, if you like historical romance, read them immediately. You yes. and then And then follow up with me and say, thank you for telling me to read them immediately. Because <laughs> they're just <laughs> fantastic. Um, they're just a nice, because it's in a slightly later time period, um, it's more in the Victorian area era. I feel like these strong women characters who are fighting for the right to vote, but still having all the wonderful romances and stuff on the side. Uh, they're they're a little bit more relatable to the modern woman than maybe something set in the Regency era. era. Okay. So that is something I love to read. I also love fantasy. And I recently read Sarah J. Moss's A Court of Thorns and Roses series. Oh, yes. And uh, talk about a mashup of things I love. Romance and fantasy. Yes, please. Yes. <laughs> I think my yeah. favorite Sarah J. Moss is uh-huh. House of Earth and Blood. Okay. Is that one of her new ones? Yes. Newer ones? Yes. Crescent? Is that like the Crescent City series? Crescent or am I City. Okay. No, that's right. All right. It is so, so lovely. It's huge. Okay. Um, but it's so so good it has like that urban fantasy feel that you're talking about like the real world but it's not set here it's like actually set in kind of a a made-up place but it still has like you could you could just sort of imagine that it's you know set like in in New York City or London or pretty much wherever you you would want so it has that like real world feel in a Mm -hmm. like fictional setting I, love and it. I, I loved it a lot. I'm hoping that she continues with it. Yeah. Because it's, she is it's one of, so yeah. good. She is one that is putting out a lot of books. Yes. And I don't know how she's doing it. Um, I don't well, know. You know, Nora Roberts, for example. Oh, well. Puts out she's four an books a year. Yes. Yes. We, we talk about that a lot here. Yeah. That she's just like the queen of you know you count like every year for Nora Roberts books it's just how it how it goes <laughs> so what have you read recently that you want the world to know about so besides Evie Dunmore yeah so that wasn't recent uh I recently read Aisha at last by Uzma Jalaluddin uh, yes which, yes it came out a, I think a couple years ago um and it is, for your readers who are not familiar, it is a retelling of Pride and Prejudice set in uh, the Toronto Muslim community. Just so good. I love it so much. 
Um, and I'm so excited to read her next one, which is Hannah Khan Carries On, which all I need to know I about it is- I just read that. The, you did? There's a poutine yes. restaurant. That's all that matters. Yes. Yes. And a <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> I feel like they're hitting some notes for us. Yes. It, it was very, so, very good. Yes. Because I'm doing an event with her next week um, at the Rift Bodice. Oh, lucky I don't you. know when this will air. I'm so excited. Well, I'm not, we're not going to be there. It's all. Well, no, I. I yes. <laughs> but I don't I'm think so anybody's like doing any like in-person like touring uh, yet. At least not that I've seen. There's a few. The South. Are there? Is very determined to have in-person events. Oh, so there okay. are, are, especially when they're not official bookstore events, when they're um like off-site luncheons and stuff oh okay that okay. that circuit is ramping up um all right so yeah but like but not, the, the bookstore events seem to still be virtual yeah and I don't think they'll be doing in-person bookstore events for a few more months but even talking because I had a, an event last earlier this week with my two local booksellers and they were saying they're starting to look at off-site venues to do like things that oh. have places that have more space and finally right. it's getting warm enough in Wisconsin where they could maybe even do some outside things. I so. hope they don't take the virtual events away for I have loved yeah. like being able to attend things, you know, virtually that like I, I wouldn't otherwise. Okay. So what else have you read? You have to tell me. Um, all right, so Aisha at last, I was a really big fan. Um, there's a book called We Ride Upon Sticks by Quan oh, Berry. Yes, I, I have not know. read it yet, but it looks so it's, good. It is great. It was, I, I kind of went into it all, the only thing I knew was about field hockey. And I just found it this really delightful, out, unexpected story of female friendship it is set in high school, but I certainly would not call it a young adult. It's it's an adult book. Uh, and it was just wonderful and funny and excellent storytelling. So I, I highly recommend it. Um, it's just great. And it's not really about, I mean, it's about field hockey, but it's not about field hockey. That's It's really about these these girls bonding through the shared experience that they're having. So I highly does recommend that. Does it have that. some magic great. in it too? Like, does it yeah. have a kind of like supernatural-esque? Yes, but it's played with in such a way that I think you could make an argument either for or against. Ah, like maybe okay. is it is it the magic of women bonding and then they kick ass in field hockey because they are now working as a team or is there a magical component to it? Now that Kindred Spirit Supper Club is in the world, what is next for you? Uh, I am currently writing. Um, all I'm really saying about it is it's a Christmas book and it's set in Milwaukee. So You are going to delight a few <laughs> members of my team here because um, Stacy, who is one of my, my co-hostesses, every Christmas, she says we have to do this um, episode about holiday sure. books and for some reason okay. I have never ever been a fan of these and so she's always just like oh you know what they're so like sappy and wonderful and I'm just like oh, 
really? <laughs> <laughs> are we doing this again? <laughs> we are. I yes. have never been one to like go out and buy Christmas books. If I happen upon one, I will happily read it. And I certainly love diving into Christmas movies. Uh, but this story came to me and I'm like, well, this has got to be a Christmas book. So, so I think the only thing that would make people happier is if you actually like had it come out around Christmas. <laughs> well, it is going to be, I mean, it'll be the Christmas. Here's fun fact about publishing. Christmas books always come out at like October, early November. It's true. They do. They do. I start to see them. Yep. So it'll be out assuming things don't go sideways. It should be out in like October of 22. That's the hope. Okay, well, I will definitely yeah. um, keep this in mind because wonderful people here will be uh, very happy for this. <laughs> but I will say it's hard to write Christmas when the flowers are coming up. So, well, we had snow here <laughs> the other day at the time that we are recording this, which will be, um, you know, it'll air a few weeks out. But at the time that we are recording this, it is the end of April, and on Tuesday. We had snow here in Michigan. Yes. And we had snow in Wisconsin yesterday. So, so see, was, you can, you can yeah. write your Christmas book in the snow. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, I want to thank you so incredibly much for having this lovely laid back chat with me today and for letting listeners know a little bit about kind of who you are and what you write um, before I let you dash off, I'm wondering uh-huh. if you can let people know the best way to find you online. Absolutely. So first, thank you for having me, Shannon. This was just a lovely conversation. And it's always nice to have those. Yes, it is. Uh, it is. So people can find me on my website at Amy E. Reichert. Uh, it's my name spelled out dot com. And from there, you can get to my Instagram, my Twitter, my Facebook Uh, I have a newsletter that I'm going to be revamping soon. So uh, feel free to sign up for that if you want more personal updates. Um, So yeah, that's kind of where to find me. And right now I feel like I'm all over the internet between podcasts and uh, social media. So I'm everywhere. At least it feels that way. (laughs) That is a, I think that's a good position to be in as your, you know, as your latest book is coming out. I think, you know. Being kind of present on the internet is is a good thing. It is. It is. Um, sometimes. <laughs> well, you know, with all things, there there are good. And bad yes, points. that is true. That is very very true. Uh, and that is the right attitude to have as I'm about to you know go schedule a whole bunch more posts. <laughs> See. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for this. And I look forward to kind of keeping an eye on on what's coming next for you. All right. So it is time to talk about June 1st releases. As always, the first few that I'm about to mention are books that you've heard us talk about before on our most anticipated releases of June episode. So I'm starting out with one of Stacy's picks this month. This is Neon Gods, Dark Olympus, book one by Katie Robert. This is a modern retelling of the Hades and Persephone myth. Natalia is looking forward to a historical. This is The Warsaw Orphan, a standalone novel by Kelly Rimmer. 
I am super excited for Trouble Girls by Julia Lynn Rubin. This is a young adult kind of coming of age slash thriller with some LBGT themes. I'm so, so excited for this one. Think like Thelma and Louise with a little queerness thrown in. And Kristen is looking forward to a women's fiction novel. This is Malibu Rising, the latest by Taylor Jenkins Reid, and a young adult fantasy, The Witch King by H.E. Edgman. And Brooke finishes off our previously discussed books because she and I are looking forward to Grace and Glory. This is the third book in Jennifer L. Armentrout's Harbinger series with some fantastic disability representation, gargoyles, young adult fantasy. I love, love, love these books so much. So there are a bunch of books that you've heard us talk about before, but now let's talk about books that I haven't mentioned previously. Starting out with a couple of historical novels. First up for me is Among the Beautiful Beasts. This is by Laurie McMullen. It is set in the early part of the 20th century, and it's the like fictional biography of an activist who is dedicated to saving the Everglades. This is Among the Beautiful Beasts by Laurie McMullen. We also have Painting the Light by Sally Cabot Gunning. And this is set in Martha's Vineyard in 1898. It's a story of art in kind of that America's Gilded Age time that is so much fun to read about. Usually we see Gilded Age books set in New York, but here we are in Martha's Vineyard. So I'm kind of interested to see how that will be dealt with. This is Painting the Light, and it's by Sally Cabot Gunning. Dead, Dead Girls. This is the first book in a new series. It's called The Harlem Renaissance Mysteries. The author is Nakesa Afia, and this is set in 1920s Harlem. Our main character is an African-American woman who is young and gay, and solves mysteries in Harlem. I read an early copy of Dead Dead Girls. In fact, you'll hear me talk about it in a little bit more depth on this Friday's episode, but I love it so much. And if you also love historical mysteries, you should check it out. It is Dead Dead Girls, Harlem Renaissance Mysteries, book one by Nikesa Afia. And sticking with that theme of books you'll hear me talk about in more depth, I also am super excited to talk about the latest book by Sujata Masi. This is The Bombay Prince. It is Purveen Mystery, book three. And these are also books that you'll hear me talk about in Friday's episode, although I only talk about the first one here. Um... This is a series of kind of like legal thrillers set in 1921 Bombay and Praveen Mystery, who is our protagonist, is the first female lawyer in Bombay. I really love the first book. I'm looking forward to reading the rest. So this one is The Bombay Prince 
Purveen Mystery Book 3 by Sujata Masi. And Beatrice Williams has a new book out this week as well. This is Our Woman in Moscow. And this is a story of Cold War espionage and family devotion. I really like some of Williams' writing, especially when she teams up with Lauren Willig and Karen White. I think the three of them are magical together. However, for the sake of pure transparency, I do have to say that I haven't enjoyed all of the books that Williams has written on her own. She's kind of hit and miss for me when she's on. She is so on. Um... Her book, The Summer Wives, is like one of the best things I've ever read, but other books of hers haven't worked as well for me, so I'm not sure where this one will fall, but it is Our Woman in Moscow by Beatrice Williams. So I'm stepping away from historical novels um, to talk about just some sort of general fiction. Like Wind Against Rock... This is by Nancy Kim, and it's a novel that talks about family secrets, about regrets, and about all of the decisions, both large and small, that shape us on a daily basis and just sort of how we don't give a lot of attention to each of these decisions on their own until they sort of build up into something big. So this is Like Wind Against Rock, and it's by Nancy Kim. I also want to talk about The Portrait of a Mirror. This is by A. Natasha Joukowsky. And it is kind of like Neon Gods, like a modern reimagining of a myth. Neon Gods um, is a reimagining of Persephone and Hades. This is a reimagining of the Narcissus myth. And it focuses on two couples whose lives intersect over the course of a summer, and somehow this ties in to Narcissus. So it is The Portrait of a Mirror, and it's by A. Natasha Joukowsky. Should we talk about some mysteries? I think we should. I'm starting out with Palace of the Drowned. This is by Christine Mangan. It is a psychological thriller set in 1960s Venice, which is very, very cool. She wrote another book um, that's set in Morocco that I haven't read. I want to say it's called Tangerine, but I might be making that up. (laughs) I think that's what it's called. Anyway, this one is in Venice. It has that same kind of like toxic female friendship vibe. At least it does from the synopsis. It is Palace of the Drowned, and it's by Christine Mangan. I'm also really excited about The Other Black Girl. This is by Zakia Delilah Harris. This is a book that is set in kind of modern publishing, and our protagonist is a young woman who is the only black woman working in this like super white publishing house. When a second black woman comes on the scene, at first our heroine is pretty excited, but then things get a little strange. Apparently we have a few kind of horror vibes. We have some mystery. Um, It looks very, very good. And I especially like that it sort of shows the modern landscape of publishing with a little bit of that like psychological twist. 
It's The Other Black Girl, and it is by Zakia Delilah Harris. I also want to talk about The Secrets of Us. This is the latest novel by Lucinda Berry. I've read a couple of her books, and they're super twisty. Um, some of them are a little bit over the top, but I kind of like that in a thriller. Like, it kind of just amps it up to that next level for me sometimes. So this one is about two sisters and the dangerous bond that they share as they're trying to escape the secrets of their troubled past. It is The Secrets of Us, and it is by Lucinda Berry. And we have a new Lorith Ann White book this week that is always something fantastic. This is Beneath Devil's Bridge. It looks like it's a standalone, and it is about a true crime podcaster who learns some shocking things about a murder that has grown cold. And so now, of course, she is trying to solve it. It is Beneath Devil's Bridge, and it's by Lorith Ann White. And this next book, this is Ace of Spades, and it's by Frida Abiki Ayamide. And it is a story about two teens who attend this private academy. There's lots of really great school thrillers right now. I'm super excited about this. Anyway, they are approached by this anonymous person who wants to reveal some pretty big secrets. And if they don't do what this person wants them to do, um, those secrets will come out and no one will like that. So this is Ace of Spades, and it is by Farida Abiki Ayamide. And I'm rounding things out with some young adult novels, um, both fantasy and contemporary. Um, One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston is out this week. She really took the world by storm with red, white, and royal blue last year. So now she's back with One Last Stop. It has a little bit of a ghost theme, a little bit of romance. Um, I'm not a huge ghost person, as you probably know, so I don't know that I will check this one out, but Casey McQuiston writes some really amazing things. So if you enjoy contemporary novels with a little bit of a supernatural twist, you might check this one out. It is One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston. We also have An Emotion of Great Delight. This is by Tahara Mafi. You may remember her from her Shatter Me series, which is kind of a dystopian novel. Think like The Hunger Games. Um, But this one is a contemporary about a teenage girl who is struggling with just sort of the identity of being a Muslim in America. And she's learning that people don't necessarily want her to be happy, but that she doesn't have to sort of take that from them and claim it as her own, that she is allowed to reclaim her own joy. This is An Emotion of Great Delight by Tahara Mafi. Next up, we have The Ghosts We Keep by Mason Deaver. Um, Mason Deaver came to my attention in the early part of 2020 with a book called I Wish You All the Best. And this one 
is about a boy whose brother is killed in an accident and he is struggling now to kind of survive without his brother um, and also to thrive, to possibly find love, to understand like how to navigate this grief. Um, I think it has a trans protagonist, although I'm not positive about that. The uh, synopsis didn't give me enough information to know for sure. But I think that's what I've read in, ter in um, some early reviews. This is The Ghosts We Keep, and it is by Mason Deaver. And I apologize for the angry meowing that you may hear in the background. I have a hungry Himalayan who believes that I should give her food instead of talking about new books. So... Next up is Hourglass. This is the debut novel from author Elizabeth Means. And this is kind of dystopian. Like, what if you knew when you, when you would die? Like, what if that was just information that was available to you? How would you live your life? And what if that information was available to everyone? How would that change the world? This is Hourglass, and it's by Elizabeth Means. Last up for me today is The Nature of Witches. So I love boarding school fiction. We know that. I also love witch fiction. So I'm really, really excited for this one. This is the story of one witch with the power to save the world, which is on the brink of destruction. Um, I wonder if there's anyone with the power to save our world right now. Sometimes I wonder these things. Anyway, this is The Nature of Witches, and it's by Rachel Griffin. And that, my friends, is all I have for you this week. June is a phenomenal month for new books, so definitely keep coming back each Tuesday when I will share an author interview, but also talk with you about more great releases. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. <laughs>